0: You know, you can measure a lot, you can prove a lot, but as I said, at the end, we want to understand how we're working with metrics. We won't measure it, but we want to understand if we're creating value, if we're meeting our objectives, business objectives, customer objectives, whatever is coming. Welcome to the Azure Working Model Podcast. My name is Roman, and I'm looking forward to host you in today's episode. Hi everyone, today I'm sharing my talk from the Scrum Master Group Cape Town about Agile KPIs. I had it a couple of days ago, remote online with a lot of participants. And I'm basically talking about what really matters when you're measuring Agile. I give you hands-on tips and tricks, best practices, what works, what doesn't work so that you can directly get started. Enjoy listening to the talk. And if you wanna even see the slides to it, you can check out my YouTube link there I recorded the whole session. And he was a data scientist, right? And I really like that sentence of without data, you're just another person with an opinion. I mean, data is really, really important to understand where we currently are. And this is one huge or one big reason for me why we should measure something. If we're looking into the core idea of agile, it's about continuous improvement. I put that cycle there again, you see plan, do, check, and act. We want to get better in what we're doing we want to improve ourselves this is probably where performance comes in right and this is the first initial thought if we're measuring something why should we measure Mm, we want to get better we need to increase our performance we want to get more productive the team should work better together Um, and therefore we can measure something we can measure we can learn and we can act accordingly i mean that's a very valid reason to get our performance on another level to increase the performance and uh, to be more productive. That would be one big reason for me to measure something, to validate our assumptions and to really improve on that. However, also besides improving the team and improving the performance, I think there's another very important point is that we have to look at quality. We're all producing products, we're handling projects, we're working on something that at the end will be delivered. And I think a very nice, Um, point or a very important point when you're looking at measuring something is um, that you should increase, you can increase the quality over time if you measure and learn um, where you are. So if we look at a product quality, I put a product here because uh, from my opinion a lot of people of you will probably work in the field of product creation or service, call it as you want. Um, We all start with an MVP right? anywhere Uh, and we're delivering it in sprints probably in iterations. However, even the MVP already has a quite high standard of quality, right? It's a minimal viable product, it's usable. It delivers any value, any quality to the customer. But over time, we always want to increase the quality. We want to increase the quality to make it better for the customer, to make it more stable. Looking at the code, we do not want to take um, technical debts with us. We want to increase code quality, whatever it is at the end. So this is one second pillar for me why we should start measuring something: increasing the performance, increasing the quality. And last but not least, and I think this is what we always tend to to forget when we start measuring something. It's often easy, you know. We we start measuring velocity. Cool, we get the performance up. Uh, we measure um, our team speed, whatever you want to call it performance, performance, performance. I think we're good in that, but we often tend to forget the most important thing. And it's about the value, what we're creating. This is really, for me, the most important thing. You're creating a value to your customer, to your business, to whomever you're doing that. And this value needs to be measured, needs to be understood. And you need to understand, is that value increasing or is it not, or is it even decreasing? And this is very important from my perspective, and this is one of the main pillars why you should start measuring something. Because at the end, you're delivering something to your customer with the one big question, does it create value or not? I think you know that sketch of skateboard, bike, motorbike, a car. There's another one where you have only the tires, then the platform, then the chassis and so on. This wouldn't be value for the customer, right? If he wants to move from A to B, what shall he do with tires? A skateboard might be the first value step. However, measuring value is not that easy, right? It's it's quite tricky. It's it's a fuzzy thing. It could be cost of delay. Um, It can be business value. It's very subjective thing. I will come to that in a second, but keep that as an underlying mindset. If you measure something at the end, at the end, what really counts is that you wanna increase the value for your customer for your business or from whomever you're creating the value, okay? So I'm trying to to wrap up shortly here. What I see is that we have performance as one pillar. Then we have quality as the second one, and we have the value. You will see that quality and value are quite close to each other. However, I think there's a difference as set. But at the end, looking at these three points, they might be, or they are, from my perspective, quite good reason to start measuring something. Okay, so if we're looking at that as the underlining basis at the underlining mindset, I wanna jump to the part of what are we actually measuring? And you might be thinking in that golden circle now of Simon Sinek where we have why in the middle, then the how comes and the what at the end. I switched it around on purpose because I think it makes more sense to look first at what are we measuring and then getting into the how in the concrete examples. So what are we measuring? Um, and before we look into the detail of metrics kpis and what it is i want to show you one sketch i brought you um, which i like to use uh, which actually sets the stage for measurement quite well and i will explain it to you Um, you see here kind of a graph i came up with over the time um, that shows a bit of the development from data to acting at the end So on the x-axis, you see time, right? This is time over time. And here on the left-hand side, you just see the the development path. So what we all are doing is that we're generating tons of data every day using your mobile phone, but also working together in an agile environment. You're moving a ticket in a JIRA system from A to B. You created, I don't know how many data sets behind. Um, You're talking within your dailies, you're talking everywhere, you're creating data. So we have tons of data And as Bernhard Maher, that's a person I will refer to in a second, said, a lot of businesses are really data rich, but information poor. And here's where it's getting interesting, because we need to use the data and understand with certain metrics what is behind that to get into information and best case then into analysis afterwards. So I showed, um, or I tried to sketch that a bit with having like empty dots, right? Data at the beginning is just empty. It's, It's there, but we can't use that proper. So the next thing is we need to kind of extract the data, whether it's from Jira, whether it's from Azure DevOps, from surveys, from the customer by interviews, from our review meetings after an iteration, whatever you want to call it, but we need to get data and make a clue out of that, making any analysis, using any metrics, two in the next step visualize and present the data and that's actually the step of using a metric to present something now we are visualizing stuff and we can actually answer one question what happened or what is currently happening depending on how real-time your data is at the end and i tried to sketch that with you know connecting the dots a bit we're understanding how stuff is related we're seeing something but and now the important thing come comes A lot of teams and a lot of people are getting stuck exactly here in the visualization. The most important comes now. If you're talking about measurement, if you're talking about metrics, you need to understand that after visualizing, there comes one thing called analyzing. And this is very important because you need to make a clue out of that, what you're seeing there. It's about your brain. It's about your team. You need to understand why is it like that? And then even ask, even more wise. Why is it like that to come to the real core of the reason behind it? So I tried to paint that here in the yellow you know, uh, line up here to understand, ah, okay, we are seeing a pattern. Always when the product owner is on holiday, X, Y, or Z is happening. Always when we onboard a new team member, set or X is happening. And that's the analysis, right? With the idea, and that would be then you know, advanced to probably predict something later on or act on that accordingly. And this is, for me, kind of the generation from from useless data, which is just huge amount of, to getting into analysis and to understanding what is happening there. And this is the the fundamentals of what we are measuring. And um, you can use a lot of stuff here uh, to measure and to analyze and to visualize. But there are two things which are coming obviously always up. One word is metric, and the other word is probably key performance indicators and this might be a bit obvious but i see that people are struggling with understanding these two words and that's why i just put a short definition how i see that um, on on a very high level base so a metric is basically a tool to measure something you can use a ruler to measure how long something is full stop you can use customer satisfaction it's a tool to measure how your satisfaction of the customer is and um, you can measure your cash flow you can use that tool cash flow to understand how the financial situation of your team, business, whatever it is, that's a metric at the end, right? Um, And on the other hand, we have key performance indicators and I put performance in brackets on purpose because I believe they're not only performance indicators but they're also other indicators but they might potentially be key indicators, right? And key indicators um, use a metric. So for example, as I said, the customer satisfaction in a key area of your team or business. So you and your team, you and your business are defining that, for example, the net promoter score is for you a key performance, a key indicator, which you're using. And mainly or it should have then, if it's if it's a key indicator, it should have a target value, what you're trying to reach to. You're looking into um, a net promoter score of X, Y, set or you want to achieve a customer satisfaction rate of 99%. That's where you want to get to. So it's a target and it's a real value and you're trying to to align on that. Key performance indicators or key indicators in general shouldn't be a lot. Like my personal recommendation, teams between three to five, if you're looking at business, you're ending max up with 10, I would say, because it's really the key. These are the indicators you are steering your business your team with right you're getting the overview but and that's a very very important point it's an indicator it's not the truth it's an indicator it's giving you an indication and looking back into the uh, graph i just showed you before you need to make out of clue of that what it indicates you there is the truth underneath and that's very important to understand okay so um i need to look at the time key performance indicators as i said You see that iceberg picture here, and I try to use that because I think it describes KPIs or key indicators quite well. They're easy to understand. They're aggregated often, very aggregated, and they're giving only an indication. Underneath, there's a lot more process, team, individual, whatever it is. I do not want to go too much into the theory of KPIs or what is behind. Uh, However, if you're interested in a very, very good book that is not for reading, but rather for checking out what KPIs are existing. I can really recommend this one here. Um, it's wrapping up like I think the 500 most important KPIs that exist. Uh, 75 uh, measures. Sorry, not 500, 75. I should read proper. But really, honestly, financial, process, customer-oriented. They are great. It's a good book, and um, it's just a recommendation from my side. Just that that you know that. Okay. So what did we do? We understood that there are metrics and KPIs or key indicators. However, there's another definition I want to quickly do, and it's objective versus subjective. I already said that they are more subjective key indicators probably, or metrics, and they're, they're objective ones. And we need to understand the definition and the difference. Objective is um, a measure or it's as close as possible to the truth, to the real fact as it be. So looking at, for example, the number of tickets, you can count that, And I'm pretty sure that it's nearly 100% correct, right? JIRA gives you nearly 100% correct answer at that. That's a more or less non-negotiable fact at the end. Also, the lead time, you can calculate it and it's a matter of fact, it's quite objective. However, once the human is involved, once we are getting feedback from surveys, once we are asking our team members, our customers, we're suddenly entering the area of subjectiveness. And that's absolutely fine because it's based on opinion, it's based on feeling. So if you're asking for the customer satisfaction, um, every customer might have a different feeling and it's very subjective. But what we're trying with measuring it and using metrics is to make it a bit more objective and to lift it up, right? To understand and to make it not probably comparable between teams, but to see a trend over time and to follow it and to understand it. Both is very important. We need objective measurements, but we need also subjective measurements and metrics. And I try always to you know, to make kind of boxes and I really like the following two ones, um, uh, which probably might help you and there might be for sure more, but I'm trying to categorize uh, metrics a bit. And what I'm using is KPIs, key performance indicators and KEIs, key emotional indicators. Um, and key emotional indicators are basically things that are very subjective, where humans are involved, where we can't say it's black or white, and that's absolutely okay. That's absolutely fine. Whereas, oh, sorry, uh, that's wrong. I didn't, I didn't write that proper. My fault. Found a mistake. Um, I will improve next time. Um, on the left-hand side, uh, hard facts mainly very objective, as I said. Um, it's, it's not really negotiable, and you can take that. You know, I, I put some examples in there. Team health. I will explain that as an example in a second. Commitment rate how objective can be a commitment rate, right? It's like, okay, Um, on the other side, we have the cycle time. You can measure that. It's it's really hands-on, it's it's very objective. Take that maybe as kind of two boxes where you can pick stuff from. Okay, we talked about why, we talked about what we are measuring. So we're using metrics and key indicators, maybe also performance indicators, um, either subjective or objective way to measure something and what i want to do is now to get really more into practice a bit and give you like you know tips and tricks how i integrate measurement um into the daily process for teams and that might be helpful for you at least i hope so we are in the chapter now or in the part of how do we measure and if you get started with measuring something uh you should step back and ask yourself one thing up front how mature is your team that's very important to understand because If you are overloading your team right from the beginning, they're drowning, right? You you can't uh, use a young team and give them 10 KPIs and say, we're gonna improve you now based on numbers. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. You do not want to um, turn humans into machines which you're improving. Rather look at your team and look where they are standing. If they're a new team, storming will happen, right? The performance will go down and that's absolutely fine and okay. Later on, we're going to stabilize and we might use different uh, set of metrics. So first thing, start as simple as possible, especially when you're setting up a new team. Second thing, what I often um, see is that team leads or managing um, persons are saying you are going to measure now your velocity, full stop you know, that's micromanagement at the end. And we not do want to get there. It's, it's really, it's important. We want to have KPIs and metrics as a steering tool for ourselves as a team, but not as a control instrument for management. So involve your team from the beginning, bring it in as Scrum Master, as Agile Coach and say, this will be my recommendation, but what do you think, dear team? What shall we start measuring? What would create value for you as a team to see then transparent? That will be helpful at the end because you get the commitment of the whole team. Um, And lastly, as I said, do not use too many metrics. Uh, Rather, some key indicators, three to five, is often way enough uh, to understand where you're standing. Okay, so first thing, we understand how major our team is. Second thing, what we need to understand is, what are our data sources? Where is the data coming from? And I saw over the time, basically, um, if we're looking into agile setups that we have three main data sources and correct me or add on there might be more for sure but at the end it's boiling down to these three ones from my perspective often very often um, first is any issue tracking you can also use your analog board which is hanging there right kanban board whatever board you're using it might be get it gets more complicated to really get the data from it however it's going to work but obviously the Azure, there's Azure DevOps, Trello, whatever you're using, that's an issue tracker. You're having your tickets on it, you're pulling them through, and you're creating data. We will need this. That's often very, very objective data. Then we have surveys. We have surveys with the customer, with the team, um, stakeholders. We have review meetings. That's often very, I say often, very uh, subjective measurement, but it's a huge data source service. I also put their Jira Service Management, um, because I really like that feature. Uh, If you close the ticket in Jira Service Management, if you're working in an operations team, you can directly send um, in the email below, how was your service? How was your overall experience? That's a super fast, simple and easy way to measure customer satisfaction. Um, It's subjective, yes, but you know, it's a survey. And the last but not least, which sometimes gets a bit overlooked, are the repositories. There's a huge amount of data in repositories looking into code quality, looking into bugs, looking into technical depth, looking into whatever you want. However, they're often overlooked, especially when you're really working in a dev team. I would recommend to understand what key indicators you can get from all the uh, data around repositories. Okay, so we understood how major our team is, we understood what data sources we're having, and then what are we heading to and this is important um, from my perspective i'm maybe it might be for somebody a bit weird to say that but i am not aiming for 100 percent accurate data because we will not get it that's just the learning curve yes we want to get sooner or later to very very accurate data but it won't be there from the beginning especially when you're working a lot with surveys it There's always something in between and if you're getting already 80% of accuracy, take it as it is. Why? These are indicators. You need to make, make a clue afterwards out of that, right? It's giving you an indication where you're heading to. So accuracy is important, no doubt, but however often 80% of accuracy is a good starting point where you can start from. It's parallel to at the end. And I just see that. I had a customer where the product owner was like really, really fixed on details in the numbers. And at the end, we really digged into it. And the difference was so small, what we saw afterwards that we decided, okay, the 80% are enough, right? Just ask yourself, do not overcomplicate it. That's my message on that slide here, what I want to give you. Okay, so we know now we are focusing on 80% accuracy, but uh, what else do we need? We need responsibilities and we need kind of integration in our process. And this is the next things which are coming up. So responsibilities. I mean, this might be not from textbook, I don't know exactly, but what I see what works quite well is if you're using the following setup. If you work in a scrum oriented team, um, in an observations team, it might be a bit different, but I use this now as an example. Uh, I see that the Scrum Master often is a very valid um, role to take care for setting up metrics, for doing the operations, for handling that, uh, for presenting that, for gathering data together and bring it into the retrospective. That's just my personal experience. That works very often very good because the Scrum Master also has that role of protecting the team, protecting the people, right? And sometimes KPIs can be... Um, you know, demanding for the team. They can display not very nice things. And a scrum master um, just has the role to bring it uh, to the team in kind of a nice way and to negotiate between product owner and the team. That's why I recommend to bring the operations into the scrum master pool. There's an agile coach, uh, from my perspective, responsible for the strategy, looking at the team, maybe also at the teams at the scaled version and thinking about what makes sense to bring in. Which KPI do you measure, giving the Scrum Master ideas, um, but not in the operations field? Then, a very important role on the other hand is the product owner who provides data sources, um, makes it happen to the Scrum Master that he can access the proper boards on Jira wherever it is. I don't know where it's happening, but this is, you know, they need to co work here, obviously, right, to, to get the proper data. And one very important thing is the development team why because it's a self-organized and that's important to understand team that takes responsibility about the outcome of the metric at the end why do i say that if you're not moving a ticket for example from the column uh, in progress into done it will reflect as an open ticket in the kpi at the end so it's 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 your charge right uh, if you're caring about your tickets if you're moving your stuff if you're caring about your work you're doing Um, And that's self-organization. I'm bringing it up because I see that in a lot of teams, that is a big issue that the board often, I'm taking that as an example now, looks a bit messy. And then the KPI behind also looks very messy and doesn't reflect uh, what actually happened. So at the end, like we always have it in a scrum team or in an agile setup, we need to work together to make it happen. That's the message. Um, However, how do we integrate that in our process? And also here, I took it again in a in sentence or in the sending of, of a sprint, right? Working in sprints. Um, we're having a planning meeting, best case you're using the results from your measurements from your metrics before to improve your planning. If you see that you're always crashing the velocity, use that for example, as a metric and understand that you should plan maybe a bit less. Um, over the sprint you're collecting data and I would highly recommend to be very transparent what gets measured needs to be transparently displayed to the team in a retro. That's the spot where you can directly show it and uh, discuss it, learn from it, and use it as your steering tool. That's great. It's great. It just works great from my perspective. Um, preparing metrics, as I said, Scrum Master Operative Role. Okay, so we talked about why. We talked a bit about what we're measuring. I told you what um, prerequisites are necessary to measure and how to measure. Now I brought you three hands-on examples, what I wanna show you. And the first of these three ones is team health. You probably know about that. Let's see, we have second, planability, sometimes called predictability, and third, lead time distribution. I try to use different ones, which are feasible for development, operations, and team health for every team. It doesn't matter if you're working in Dev at all, you can use that also in sales. It's just a great tool to see how teams are developing let's get started with the first one with team health. You always see here the icon so that you know um, what metric I'm talking about currently. Team health is a subjective measurement. Originally it comes from uh, Spotify. There was a person called Henry Knienberg uh, who thought about let's measure anyhow the feeling, the spirit uh, in the team. And he set up that idea of team health. He developed a very nice set of questions and cards. You can check that out online. There endless of questions. Uh, The cool thing is in team health, you can tweak it to your needs, what you need. And I really, really like that uh, key indication uh, because it gives such a huge value to the whole team. How does it work? You're sending out a survey, you're calculating the team health and you're presenting the results in the retrospective. It's pretty straightforward. And I brought you example, what I wanna show you now. Questions: What we are asking um, in this uh, special, or in this in this example I brought you, uh, we are asking the questions with Microsoft Forms. You can use whatever tool you want. You can even do it, you know, on paper if needed. Um, however, I brought you three questions, just example. So the first thing would be that we ask the team members about delivering value, and you always see a scale from one to five at the end, right? Uh, in a star rating kind of. And it has to be simple don't use more than 10 questions it's too long it doesn't make fun it needs to make fun so understand what is needed in that survey and get feedback on that so we deliver crap we feel ashamed to deliver it our stakeholders hate us or positive side we deliver great stuff we're proud of it and our stakeholders are really happy one example other one prance players we're kind of chess persons walking around and can't really decide, or the other hand, we are really full in charge uh, and in control of what we're doing. Or learning, how's the learning curve? We never have time to learn anything, Uh, we are really interested. And you, you get the idea, right? It's like from very minus, from very negative to very positive. Just some examples I brought you here. So once you get all the data from the team, how does it look like at the end? It looks like this. This is an example over 10 iterations, 10 sprints from a team. Um, where we ask the following six things here: delivering value, health of the code base, productivity, prawns of players, learning, and fun. And you see here the participants like how many participants contributed. Um, and yeah, you see it's very subjective uh, because the things you can't objectively measure, but uh, it's very, very valuable. I tried to do a bit of analysis just you know what you could get out of that I want to share it with you. Uh, So the first thing what you will see is that there's a dip after the first sprint. As I said, it was a new team, it was forming, it was storming. It's absolutely normal, don't worry about that. We're coming back up and um, you see here a very nice kind of stable thing, right, more or less. It's like, you know, a bit bumpy, fair enough, but more or less it's stable. So that's very good. That's where we want to hit or what we want to get. You do not need to read the five either, right? If a team has their max at three, fair enough, it's OK. It doesn't have to be a five. Um, but what should be in the area of every um, Scrum Master is suddenly stuff starts dropping here. And this is critical. This is attention. All bells should start ringing. What is happening here? Uh, how can we avoid further decreasing? This is clear indication to act as a Scrum Master. And uh, in that team, there were, you know, a lot of circumstances A new team members boarded and we had complete missing product strategy, which was like, okay, what I'm doing here, I'm running in a feature factory, but why am I doing what I'm doing? And all these things suddenly reflect in kind of a very simple metric, what I really like to use. So if there's one thing I would recommend, start measuring from the beginning, think about the team health. That was very hands-on example number one. Let's jump into the next one. Productivity, uh, planability, sorry. Um, Planability, I call it often velocity 2.0. I mean, it might be not a textbook uh, metric, but I think it reflects the real world very well. Why does it? Uh, If you're looking at the classic velocity, um, it's just comparing the commitment to what uh, got done at the end, right? But the real world sometimes isn't like that. We cannot always protect teams from unplanned stuff. We cannot protect everybody perfectly. We have also DevOps teams where we have some unplanned stuff coming in. And this is why I think it makes sense, especially in in, younger teams to use that metric to see what is happening in the teams. Um, What are you doing? You're extracting data from any source, uh, issue tracking source. Uh, You need to understand how your data is moving. Uh, I'm not gonna go into details like that, but who wants more information, just call me afterwards or give me a ping and we will figure out. Then the next thing is you need to calculate that and you see uh, you can present that in in your retro obviously. So the process is fairly enough the same. Um, So what are we looking into if we are talking about planability? We're looking into four buckets. The first one is the planned stuff. That's your commitment you're taking after the iteration, uh, after the sprint planning, I'm sorry, uh, in story points. Let's say 120 story points, uh, this is our commitment. And then we're looking into the stuff which has been done from the 120 story points. Ideally, uh, 120, 100%. Right? Uh, this would be our normal velocity, like at the end. Planned, done. And but now we're bringing in all the unplanned stuff. And yes, I know, ideally, we wouldn't have any unplanned stuff, but really well is happening. So um, what comes in while the iteration? And this is interesting to understand. We're reflecting this also in story points. Um, How do we give it story points? Well, you can use um, offline grooming. You can use grooming meetings to get a rough estimation on that. That might be not perfect. But as I said, we're aiming for 80% accuracy. And we are reaching the 80. Normally in the teams, we're reaching the 80. And then it's getting interested what has been solved of the unplanned stuff. How does it look like then? And don't be shocked. The next uh, slide will be probably shocking for uh, somebody. Uh, this looks interesting. I wanna explain shortly. The dark one here is all your commitment, the light um, brown one is what has been done from the commitment, the orange one is what came unplanned in and the light orange is what has been solved of the unplanned stuff okay and then we have the green line here which is basically your velocity over all unplanned tickets that have been solved and all planned tickets that have been solved that's planability at the end okay what does it tell us again as i said this is just the visualization you need to make a clue out of what you're seeing here I tried also here a bit of interpretation now for us to to give you an idea what's happening behind. So the first question I would ask is, or what I see is, the team continuously overcommits in the sprint planning meeting. Why? Look at that. Overcommitment, 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 overcommitment. I mean, everywhere. You see that? The velocity is here and we're completely overcommitting over velocity. Ramin? Yes? I I think we saw the bucket slide are you um, do, talking about graphs? Do you see my slides? We see buckets. Oh, that, that's bad. Let me quickly stop sharing and share again. Um, cool. Maybe there's a problem. Thanks for um, telling no me worries. It's, it's actually being that pointed out. <laughs> ah, yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a I was delay. i just checking. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. We've been here, right? And you yes. should see now something like. That's it. Yes. Okay. Here we Great. go. Right, right. Um, I mean, you could follow me until now. I will hop on this one. So I think you will see uh, and get, get again the clue. So I'm quickly repeating. The first thing I would ask now is why does the team completely overcommit all the time? And you see that all the, the dark ones, they're completely overcommitted. Your velocity would be the green line. And we're always continuously over the velocity. What could be behind maybe badly prepared user stories, maybe a very dominant product owner who's squeezing stuff in and there's no Scrum Master protecting team might be. Another thing I would see is the team is not really getting rid of the unplanned stuff. If it's a DevOps team and if they're like really handling unplanned stuff, fair enough, might be okay. But if they're really trying to get a completely focused dev team, we should get rid of that. So maybe the product owner has been bypassed or the team is just not confident enough to say no. You know, all the things you're getting out of that, or last but not least, um, iteration five, and that would be very interesting for me, looks quite quite the best from all, right? Looking at the unplanned one, I mean, overcommitment was bad, obviously, but uh, the unplanned one was good. What happened there? Why is it so, so low? I would ask myself, and look, was there a scrum master in charge? I don't know. So this is really giving you understanding of, How have my tickets moved? What came in, what didn't come in? And how can I prevent uh, people, team members from unplanned stuff? Really fast walkthrough, but I need to look at the time. Okay, and the last one, lead time distribution. This is important if you're working in an operations team and um, the operations often want to answer one question. The customer asks them, how long does it take me to get my ticket done? right? And then you say, "Mm, our average lead time is 25 days. Okay, cool. So, in 25 days, I get my ticket. Wrong. It's the average lead time. And this is a big misunderstanding. If you're looking at the average lead time only, you're ignoring 50% because you're just looking at 50%, right? And this is very important to understand. Also here, we do not want to reach the 50%. We want to reach the 80%. And that's why I'm looking at the distribution. So, if you're working at a operations kind of oriented team. Maybe this might be interesting for you. What is it, delete time? Let me shortly, I mean, not in detail, but give you um, an explanation. Delete time is basically work has been received, ticket created on the backlog, to increment is delivered. So it's released, it's rolled out, it's usable for the customer at the end, right? It's not, it has been done, no. The user can use that feature. It's released, it's rolled out, whatever it is. That's the lead time. That's the overall time it takes at the end. There's a cycle time. We're going to ignore that um, for now. However, as I said, if you're looking at a 50%, if you're looking at an average lead time, you're ignoring the other half. And that can be very critical because yes, 25 days might be correct for 50%, but for the other 50%, it might be completely incorrect. And I will show you that in a second because I say you should focus on 80% lead time. What does that mean? You should be able to answer your customer with a certainty of 80%, which is nearly 100, let's say, it's very close to 100, with a certainty of 80%, you will get your request done within 25 days. That's that's a cool statement if you can tell that, because 80% is quite a lot of certainty. How does it look like if you measure it? Here, you have an example from one team, Um, where we measure it in four week slots. So you see here always four weeks, four weeks, four weeks. What you see is average lead time, dark gray, orange, 80% certainty, and uh, light gray, 90%, okay? Just to understand the graph. And in the middle here, the line is kind of the trend, which is more or less linear in that case. Uh, Jumping one slide further, because also here, a bit of analysis to understand what you can read from that graph. The 80% lead time, if we're looking at that here, is around 29, 28 days. So that's kind of double, double as high as the average. So if you would say to your customer, you get your ticket in 15 days or 14 days, you're lying basically because the half is missing, right? And this is pretty critical because the customer is expecting them. cool, 14 days, so mm, it's going to come. No, it's not because only in 50% it comes in that. So with certainty of 80%, this is quite highly likable that you will receive it within your 28 days promised. That's number one thing. You will also recognize that this gap between 80 and 90% is really huge. And that's absolutely normal because as we know, the last 20% are often the hardest to achieve. Don't focus on them too much. It's not huge stuff you're delivering there. It's it's you know there are tickets, there is stuff that needs to get done, but it's not the main focus you should focus that uh, you should put your focus on. And lastly, as I said, with that you're able to talk to your customer to communicate, we will deliver your ticket within 25 days with a certainty of 80%. Okay. I'm running a bit through um but I, I have to stick to the time box. Um, this have been three really hands-on examples for ops staff and whatever team you're having okay um looking at the last slides i brought to you uh, i want to jump into the most important thing zooming out again when we're starting measuring something i talked already a lot about analyzing and i want to get back to this a bit again you need to understand that if you're m- measuring something you need to analyze it afterwards and first, I brought you some typical mistakes you, you, you can avoid right from the beginning if you start. The first thing is, do not measure individuals. Don't start measuring the performance of team member A, B, or C. That's, that's just not agile. That's just not the mindset. That's just, it, it just doesn't work or contribute to our kind of environment, right? I, I wouldn't. It's micromanagement. It's controlling people instead of using it as a steering tool for us as a team. Then second, um, as said, do not use it as micromanagement tool. You're not taking metrics to control people, you're using it to control your team as a team and bring it forward to improve, to create value at the end, as I said. Focus or do not focus on uh, the absolute values. I mean, you can discuss is 28 days correct or should it be 28.5? Sorry, it doesn't matter at the end, it's an indication But what you wanna look at is the trend over time, the pattern. Team health is nice if you measure it for one iteration, but it doesn't create any value. Measure it at least for three iterations, and then you will start understanding what's happening there. And that counts for every metric from my perspective. Then, as said, if you're ignoring patterns over time, that might be an issue. You want to understand, because you probably wanna predict and understand if the product owner is on holiday, Always X, Y, Z happens. Missing analysis, I think this is clear. I talked enough about it. If you're not analyzing afterwards, what's the reason for measuring it? And lastly, what managers often like to do is, oh, cool, I'm implementing team health in all my five development teams, and then I can compare it and see which team is performing the best. Nope. As said, it's not control instrument. It's an instrument to understand where you as a team are standing and how you can develop further. Just some mistakes you probably want to avoid. And um, maybe a bit more in detail over the pattern over time or the trends, you want to see something like, okay, this is always happening. Every year, again, the same curve is coming up. All right, uh, why is it like that? There might be some example patterns. Always when we onboard new people. Every August, the team health falls down. When the product owner is on holidays, each time we get feedback from the customer, everybody is super disappointed. Every third sprint, these are the patterns you're looking for. These are the things you want to learn to be able maybe one day to predict and to avoid. Um, and then when you're understood that, you or when you see these patterns, you need to do one thing. You need to go deeper and understand why they're happening. And I like these two very simple tools. I think everybody knows them, five times why understand why is it why is it and why is it until you're really at the root cause and after five times time five times asking that you're normally reaching the root cause um and then you also can use that fishbone diagram here on the right hand side um where you just say like okay decreasing team health looking into rituals looking into team environment roles maybe one point is the demanding product owner might be a might be a reason you know these are tools where you can do proper good analysis and go deeper and understand what's happening behind Because at the end, what you want to avoid is that you're measuring a lot, that you're building a very high performance team, but ending up in kind of a feature factory, right? You're creating one feature after another, you're building it, you're shipping it, you're done, you're check marking it, your metrics look fine, it's super cool, your velocity is perfect, you're reaching everything, but you're missing out one thing. And you see, I'm closing up the session, coming back to the start, Uh, you're not creating value. As Marty Kagan said it in his book, Inspired, great product management book, uh, yes, something has finally released, but doesn't meet its objective. So what really was the point? You know, you can measure a lot, you can prove a lot. But as I said, at the end, we want to understand how we're working with metrics. We won't measure it, but we want to understand if we're creating value, if we're meeting our objectives, business objectives, customer objectives, whatever is coming there. So I would always go for something like this, outcome over high-end perf- high performance. I mean, high-performing teams are very good and performance is very important, but um, optimization is not everything. We need to create value. We need to come to a desired outcome. And I like the picture in the background. You can put one mirror here and one mirror there and one even more there, and you can create another feature and you can measure all these things. Super cool but you just wanted to get a slim vehicle to get from A to B. Okay, maybe we missed the objective, right? So take this as an you know underlying mindset. Okay, I have uh, a minute left, I would say. And what I want to do is, um could be very practical because I want to share one last KPI with you, which from my perspective is one of the most important called the customer satisfaction. And as you have been my customers today, um, I would ask you to give me feedback on the overall customer satisfaction regarding that talk. And I prepared a short thing on that and I hope it's going to work now quickly. Uh, I created uh, a simple um, forms question and I'm posting here in the chat now the link and it would be great if you can participate on that by just clicking on that. And what you will see there is a standard customer satisfaction survey, which will just display the overall experience and satisfaction um, of your service, of the thing you just received today. Um, And I will give it some seconds to see what what will be the outcome. Um, And then I'm just uh, hoping that we can paste that at the end of the talk here.